Welcome to By the People for the Podcast, produced by the American Civil Liberties Union of New Hampshire. Today, we will be talking about cannabis, weed, pot, marijuana. Choose your favorite term. Most importantly, we'll be talking about why cannabis isn't legal in New Hampshire yet, when it is legal in every surrounding state plus Canada. We'll be talking to our friends from the Marijuana Policy Project and Americans for Prosperity, as well as a legislator who's sponsoring legislation to legalize cannabis in New Hampshire, finally! We'll be talking about the national landscape and all the politics about this little green plant. And, because our lawyers make me say this, I must remind you that nothing in this podcast constitutes legal advice. So my name is Matt Simon. I work for the Marijuana Policy Project. We're a national nonprofit dedicating to ending marijuana prohibition for adults. And I've been working on marijuana policy in New Hampshire since 2007. My name is Ross Connolly. I'm the Deputy State Director for Americans for Prosperity in New Hampshire. And we focus on breaking down barriers within the institutions of society so that Americans and Granite Staters are able to live to their full potential. My name is Rennie Cushing. I'm the chair of the Criminal Justice and Public Safety Committee of the New Hampshire House of Representatives. And I'm a state representative from Hampton. So let's start with the current layout. Matt, can I turn to you? Where are we in New Hampshire in terms of cannabis policy? Sure. So we have a limited medical cannabis law that passed in 2013. There are a few dispensaries open in the state. Uh, It's still not a very robust program. And in 2017, we decriminalized uh, up to three quarters of an ounce of of cannabis. So that's now a fine-only offense. Uh, It's still a criminal offense to possess more than three-quarters of an ounce. It's a felony to grow a single plant still in New Hampshire. So definitely a contrast with all of the neighboring jurisdictions. And just a little political trivia here. So New Hampshire decrim applies to three-quarters of an ounce of cannabis or less. I'm going to go out on a limb and say three quarters of an ounce seems somewhat random. Oh, is there it's a, a nice round number. Is there a re- yeah, it's, it's very much <laughs> 0.75. Can you explain why that's the current law? It was a political compromise that was reached after the House passed a bill that would have decrimmed an ounce. And some leaders in the Senate and the police chiefs wanted it to be a quarter of an ounce. So Senator Jeb Bradley said, how about three quarters of an ounce? And that's what we wound up with. So are you telling me that cannabis policy is political? It might be. I'm shocked to hear that. So let's talk about our own little neighborhood here in the great land of New England. Um, So Vermont has cannabis legalization. Matt, complete the map. How about Massachusetts, Maine, Canada? (laughs) New Hampshire is an island of prohibition. So this was a phenomenon that began on the West Coast and began in states that, that have ballot initiatives. The first eight states that did this were ballot initiative states. And then Maine and Massachusetts, which are the two states in New England that have the ballot initiative process, uh, passed legalization in 2016. There are now over 30 stores open in Massachusetts. Six of them are within 15 miles of the New Hampshire border. I think you start seeing big bulletin boards the moment you cross the border into Mass. I think so. 
Uh, Maine doesn't have the regulated market set up yet, but it's been legal for adults to grow and consume for, for several years or for a few years, and they're uh, expected to be opening stores within the next few months. Vermont is the one state that has not yet set up a regulated market. They're working on that. There is a bill that's passed the Senate and that's moving through the House, and I can't guarantee it will pass, uh, but there's a good chance that it will pass this year, and New Hampshire will be surrounded by three states and a country to our north where cannabis is legal for adults and where where sales are being regulated. So this comes up a lot. Even if New Hampshire retains prohibition, New Hampshire is going to be impacted by all of this, right? I think it's safe to say granite staters are using cannabis because it's so readily available in neighboring states. And it seems somewhat counterproductive for us to try and fight prohibition when we are surrounded by legalization. I think it's an enormous waste of resources. Um, Even before uh, we were surrounded by legal states in one country, uh, uh, upwards of 100,000 granite staters used cannabis. Uh, This is something that people have been using for thousands of years. It doesn't seem like it's changing. Uh, Prohibition certainly didn't change that. Uh, and so we need to instead start to look at not arresting people for this and, and taking a different approach if people do struggle with substance abuse. So I want to talk about New Hampshire legislation, but first, can we just talk public opinion here? We've been talking a lot about policy, but where's the public stand on cannabis legalization? Well, the public favors cannabis legalization at a higher level than it favors any politician in New Hampshire politics. It's actually my favorite one-page handout that I update every time there's a new poll. Uh, But the last two polls from UNH, uh, the Grant State poll, it's been 68% support statewide, and that includes uh, now majority support. It was 56% of Republican voters uh, that that support legalization. So among the general public, it's strong bipartisan support, support across really all of the demographics. It's translating that into legislative opinion, and particularly in our 24-member state Senate, that's really been the challenge. Cannabis prohibition is disproportionately enforced, and it has serious consequences with how that enforcement is carried out. And so I just want to take a moment to really delve into that, because that's certainly the ACLU's perspective, is that cannabis prohibition is enforced in a very racist manner, and that communities of color are overwhelmingly the ones suffering from Canada's prohibition. They're the ones being arrested, stopped, detained, jailed, um, and receiving very, very long sentences for something that is actually now legal in many states. I don't think there's just any question about it. It's borne out in all the data. And when the ACLU did that study a number of years ago, it was every state in the country. I believe it was every county. Uh, it was It was pervasive everywhere. And I should be clear, legalizing cannabis doesn't end racism in the criminal justice system. It doesn't end racism in policing outright. But what it does is it takes away a major reason that cops are able to arrest people who have done nothing else other than possess cannabis. The smell of cannabis is one of the number one ways that a police officer will stop somebody at at the roadside, uh, try to search their vehicle, it's the beginning of so many criminal justice system interactions, and we just don't believe that needs to happen <laughs> anywhere anymore, that if people are not uh, 
putting others at risk, then, then police shouldn't be pulling over just because they smell something or believe somebody might be using cannabis instead of alcohol. Yeah, I, we, we look at cannabis legalization twofold in New Hampshire. One, uh, from the criminal justice area where, you know, you look at the perils of prohibition versus what we're seeing in legal states and the results there. And it's pretty clear that prohibition is a massive net negative for society as a whole. The collateral consequences associated with putting people in prison for uh, a nonviolent crime like uh, possessing cannabis are immense. It it reverberates through communities, and uh, it's time after 50 years that we start to take a look at other solutions instead of, uh, as Einstein said, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. That's been our approach to uh, to drug policy for the past 50 years, and it doesn't work. And you know, we're, we want to you know help those people that are being left behind because there are still people left behind by decriminalization. And then also, we want to be involved in the conversation of what legal systems look like, so we avoid the mistakes that were made. Uh, after the the repeal of alcohol prohibition in the 1930s. And speaking of the collateral consequences, I think we need to acknowledge that those collateral consequences are still being imposed because, as we noted in the beginning, decrim only applies to three-quarters of an ounce or less, which means there are still people who are being arrested um, and incarcerated in this state for cannabis. Is that right? You read about it all the time. Someone has an ounce of pot if they're swept up in other things. Yes, they're arrested for that. And one of the things the ACLU has been working strenuously on is trying to lessen the weight of a record. I mean, I don't I think people often don't realize how much having a record impacts every facet of somebody's life, their ability to get loans, their ability to get housing, to go to education. It can even impact um family situations and um, and so we are still imposing all of those collateral consequences on somebody because of cannabis. I want to touch on one other bill, Rennie, that I think is really important, and I'm not sure how many people are aware of it, and that was the cannabis annulment bill that did manage to pass um, and was enacted. Can you give us a rundown on that? Yeah, as of January 1st now, all those who in the past had been convicted of possession of up to three quarters of an ounce of marijuana or less are entitled to have their annulments, their their convictions annulled and made whole again. Um, I think that we're trying to deal with all of the collateral damage that was done on the war on drugs. Um, and we found many people who were in the position where, although they didn't get sent to jail, they ended up pleading guilty and paying a fine only to come to discover that that act of having a you know, a misdemeanor conviction on your record was an impediment to things like housing, uh, education, jobs, and we have a moral obligation to restore people who've been damaged by that, and that's why I'm pleased that the bill passed. So talking about moving forward, we have a, we have a legalization bill this session um, that's different from last session. It does not involve taxes or regulations. This is purely a yes or no legalize or not. 
So that takes away the taxation fight. It takes away the regulatory fight. So how do you see the dynamics playing out this session? Well, I'm, I'm pleased that Representative McGuire, who's a Republican and, you know, ranking member of executive department's administrations, one of the leaders of the House Republican Alliance, is taking the lead on, on this bill. It has bipartisan support. What we're really trying to drive home the message is that this is not being, you know, having a smart policy is neither right nor left, nor Democrat nor Republican. It's just common sense. So I expect that it will go through the House and have a pretty strong vote because the House has, in many ways, much more in touch with the grassroots, with the rank and file people in the state. The Senate has always been more of a challenge, primarily because there are other factors at play, but I'm optimistic that we can get it to the through the Senate. And then I, I would hope that the governor would, um, would think about it and perhaps just let the bill become law without his signature if he would he wouldn't have to endorse it but the, the you know it the notion is it is really it is so contrary to new hampshire spirit and new hampshire self-identity to think that we're going to you know make criminals we're going to prevent somebody from growing a plant in the backyard that you know that they're going to be subject to some kind of state sanction i mean who cares if you're looking for a partisan issue this isn't your issue i'll say that through both parties there is wide support in terms of the two major parties, uh, there's wide support in New Hampshire and across the country, especially in the northern states, to starting recognizing that this is a 50-year wrong and to start making it right. And uh, I, I'm, I'm very hopeful that members of the New Hampshire legislature will recognize that and will move past the ridiculous partisanship do you think that this is going to be an issue that is important at the ballot box this November for Granite State voters in terms of governor? We obviously have a gubernatorial primary in September and a general in November. Um, it's New Hampshire, so every single state senator and every single state rep will be up for re-election. Do you think this will impact voters? I think it depends a lot on what actually happens during the session, but yes, absolutely. Uh, people that I'm talking to are, are very much seeing this as one of the top issues uh, this summer, and we'll see what which, which candidates really want to run on it and take a, a leadership position on it. It'll be interesting to me to see how motivated cannabis voters are. I think in the past, it, people who support you know, legalization support change have done so, uh, but not really acted upon it in a political sense. I have yet to receive a phone call from anybody at election, around election time, asking me how I feel about cannabis. I mean, that may be because I'm pretty out front on it, but for most of my peers, I say it's not like there is a whole um, organized, at least historically, it has not been a, an organized get out the, uh, the you know, the pro-cannabis ref reform uh, vote. Rennie's absolutely right when he says we haven't had a statewide grassroots movement demanding cannabis reform in this state and that we need one. Uh, this bill is a huge opportunity for people to come testify at the state house, write their legislators, and certainly this summer when it becomes an election issue. Uh, we need people to be more engaged and it gives me a lot of hope that we have several good organizations working on this, supporting it. And, and I think the example of what's taking place in states surrounding us ha, you know, has a, an impact on people. People realize the sky has not fallen. I think especially in a presidential election year where there's just going to be an enormous amount of distraction on issues that may not even affect you. If you care about this issue, 
make sure you get candidates, whether no matter what party they're they're from, on the record of what what they think uh, should be done about cannabis policy in New Hampshire. That's the most important thing. Uh, is to make sure we're talking about real issues that have real solutions for people in New Hampshire. And uh, the key to doing that is, is getting them on record and, and putting the pressure on them. They're, uh, they're there to represent you. Uh, make sure they're doing so the way that uh, you like to see. And if they don't, hold them accountable. I would say that includes many more positions than people think. That's just not president, governor, state rep, state senator. That's a relevant question for county attorneys, um, for people running for sheriff, for people running for, I would even say, city council. This is an issue that impacts every layer of government, and any candidate running should be asked this. Thank you so much for joining us. It's been a pleasure. By the people for the podcast. Thank you for having us. Thank you very much, Gene. The ACLU of New Hampshire is a nonprofit, nonpartisan organization devoted to protecting and expanding civil rights and liberties in the Granite State. For more information about our organization, you can check us out online at www.aclu-nh.org or check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.